Hi, this is John Ankerberg, and today I want to present to you my very, very good friend, Dr. Wayne Barber. For 18 years, he was pastor of the huge Woodland Park Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. He was co-teacher with Kay Arthur for 14 years at Precept Ministries. He studied with Dr. Spiro Zodiades and co-hosted with him the national radio and TV program, New Testament Light, for 10 years. Wayne has taught the message of living grace which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, all around the world. He is president, founder, and principal speaker of Living Grace Ministries. And in February of 2011, he returned to Woodland Park Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee, as senior pastor. Wayne's authored several books. The most recent one is entitled Living Grace, Letting Jesus Be Jesus in You. And he has also co-authored The Following God, series of studies published by AMG. I hope that you'll enjoy listening to Dr. Wayne Barber. Would you be seated? Thank you again for coming tonight. What beautiful music we've had. And I want you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. We're going to go all the way to the end of the chapter today. A few more verses than I normally take. But verse 11 through 18 in a brand new little mini-series that, that the Apostle Paul raises up for us. And we're going to talk about the importance of right relationships. This is part one, the importance of right relationships. And tonight we're going to talk about the recipe for right relationships. You know, a recipe is important if you want something to turn out right. <clears throat> when I was in high school, was a bunch of my buddies got into a class for home economics, <laughs> normally for girls, and <clears throat> they took it knowing that. And one day the boys were to prepare a meal for the girls. And that's a disaster waiting to happen. And they chose, out of just the humor in that group, to put plaster Paris in the biscuits. Needless to say, it didn't turn out right. <laughs> if you want something to turn out right, you need to know what the recipe for that is. Well, we're going to see what's involved. What's, what's involved in this recipe for right relationships? And the Apostle Paul is very clear what he brings up. Relationships are very important to the believer who wants to walk and to work together with Christ. All of us are influenced by people, the people that we choose to associate with from day to day. Now, the people we choose to associate with influence us either for the good or for the bad. It's in this area of who we choose to associate with that many of us have made our biggest mistakes. Let me tell you why. This is where wrong information is passed from person to person in the body of Christ. <clears throat> it is this wrong information that ends up ruining our relationships, not just with Christ, <clears throat> but with each other. It's incredible how much wrong information has been spread by the wrong people that we should have avoided in our relationships. You heard about the town gossip? <clears throat> And she was just, excuse me, <clears throat> this time of year, just part of it, I hang in there. <laughs> she was always just constantly criticizing everybody and had something to say, whether it was right or wrong, and she'd go by appearance, never looking any deeper than that. And had a brand new young man, brand new Christian, joined the church, happened to be a carpenter. And one day his boss sent him to do a job at a bar, a local bar. He was putting cabinets in for it, and he worked for a man. And so his truck was parked in front of the bar all day 
law. Well, this was perfect for this one who loved to gossip. So she began to tell everybody he was a hopeless alcoholic. She saw his truck parked outside of the bar all day long. In fact, when she saw him in church the next time, she confronted him with the very thing. He didn't say a word. But that night, very quietly, he drove his truck over to the front of her house and left it there all night long. <laughs> Wrong information can hurt you. The Apostle Paul knew that many of the Corinthian believers had wrong feelings towards him, but he also knew something else. He knew that these wrong feelings was based on wrong information. And the wrong information was freely offered by the false teachers with whom they had chosen to associate. In verses 3 through 10, he's trying to show the difference in his life than the false teachers. He bared his heart to them in an effort to counter this wrong information about him that they had believed so quickly. He wants his relationship with them to be healed. He tries to show them that he's not what the false teachers said he was. His life did not bring discredit to the ministry in anything that he did. And he wanted them to see that. In fact, he and his team always presented themselves as servants of God by the way that they lived. This was displayed in the fact that they endured in everything that came their way. And the way they endured reflected the character of Christ living through them, their purity of heart. And the obvious power that was from the Holy Spirit in their lives pointed directly to the fact that they were true blue. They were workers together with God. But the perception of the Corinthians, which came from the, the wrong information from the false teachers, was so far from reality of who these men really were. Paul says in the last part of verse 7, that the righteousness which Christ produced in him, even when he was, had, had things said wrongly about him, protected him on the left and protected him on the right. He says in verse 7, be by the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left. We learn from this why it's so reasonable, as it says in Romans 12, 1 and 2, for us to, to live daily presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice to God so that He can do through us what He wants to do. Because you see, only in this kind of lifestyle, only when we're willing to live this way, are we protected both on the right and on the left. And of course, this protection that He brings up is especially needed in what people say about us. That's the whole context. Wrong information, the things that they say about us. This is the most difficult thing that all of us have to go through. When people will criticize us based on wrong relationships, based on wrong information. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6, 8, by glory and dishonor, that's what they say to you, and by evil report and good report. And the promise is that no matter whether they say it to your face or they say it behind your back, if you're willing to walk and let Jesus be Jesus in you, produce the righteousness in and through your life, you will be protected on the left and on the right, even when it's wrong information that is given. Well, the paradox of the whole thing is that God's reality of what it's like to walk with Him and work with Him is so far different than the perception of man. In verses 8b through verse 10, Paul uses seven little couplets to show the difference in the way things appear 
and in the way they really are, the reality versus that perception. Paul is showing the difference Christ has made in his life. He says in verse 8, Be regarded as deceivers and yet true, as unknown yet well-known. He says, As dying yet behold, we live. As punished yet not put to death. As sorrowful yet always rejoicing. As poor, I love this, yet making many rich as having nothing yet, possessing all things. Well, he's going to go from that bearing of his heart, the, the honesty and the openness he had with the Corinthians now, to talk about how we are to have right relationships in the body of Christ. Because if we don't, wrong relationships will give wrong information, and that's a cancer that's dividing the body of Christ. There's some things we need to know in this recipe of, of right relationships. First of all, the, the, re, the, the recipe for right relationships involves a desire, a desire to be open and honest with one another. Again, in verses 11 through 13, Our mouth has spoken freely to you, O Corinthians. Our heart is open wide. You're not restrained by us, but you're restrained in your own affections. Now, in, in a like exchange, and I speak as if to children, he says, open wide to us also. You see, in order for relationships among God's people to be right, there has to be a reciprocal openness and honesty. Now, let me ask you a question just to make sure you understand what I'm talking about. Have you ever had a friend that shuts you out? when you sought to be open and honest with them, but they refused to reciprocate? Anybody ever had that happen? Raise your hand if that's ever happened to you. So you make sure, I'm going to make sure you're with me tonight. It's painful, isn't it? Very painful. You see, they chose not to let you in because of their feelings towards you. Well, you don't feel by yourself. This is what Paul feels like. He's opened himself up. He's bared his heart. And now he says to the Corinthians, now, come on, folks, open up. Let's get this thing over with, and let's walk on together in the right relationship that God can give us. Paul had opened up in verses 3 through 11 in total honesty with them in an effort to help them see the purity of his heart. He says in verse 11, Our mouth has opened freely to you, O Corinthians. Our mouth has spoken freely to you, O Corinthians. The real phrase there, spoken freely, is the word anoigo. It refers to something that has a lid or a cover over it, protecting it. And now, because of somebody's choice, he's willing to take the lid off of it to uncover it. It's like uncovering a box that has a treasure on the inside of it. The idea is that Paul had freely uncovered what otherwise would have gone unseen if he hadn't shared it. It's amazing when you walk with Jesus how he enables you to be totally honest and openly transparent with others. And that is so critically needed if we're going to have right relationships with each other. He says in verse 11 again, Our mouth has spoken freely to you, O Corinthians. And then he adds a phrase. He says, Our heart is opened wide. And when you receive someone without any reservations, when you're willing to lay all the bygones down, when you're, when you're willing to do that, that means your heart has been opened wide. Now, what does this involve again? It involves laying aside all that would restrain 
the relationship. In our context, it would be Paul laying aside the hurt and the pain that had come to him because they had chosen to believe wrong information and had joined in to criticizing him even as being an apostle. He wants to clear the air. And he says, I'm willing to lay every bit of it down. My heart has been opened wide to you. I, I have spoken freely, openly, honestly, and transparently. He wants to clear and make sure their relationship is right. And further, and in fact, he further clarifies this by saying in verse 12, you are not restrained by us. Restrained means to be in a narrow strait, uh, to be as if you can't move. We're not holding you back at all. We've opened up the door. But he says, you are restrained in your own affections. Now, Paul is hoping that they will open their hearts just like he has done, but he knows that the only thing that's restraining them in their relationship, and, which, and, and the very thing that fuels their suspicion towards Paul was their own affections. That was what was holding them back. That was what was keeping them in that narrow strait to where they couldn't open themselves up and let Jesus in them love Paul through them. The word affections is the word referring to the deepest kind of love. And it was interesting in their culture, they would look at an inner organ like the bowels or something like that, and they would use that word, and it would be the, the deepest seat of affection in their life. You see, what had happened was, and this happened so often in the body of Christ, their affections had changed from loving the truth that Paul was teaching to loving the error that the false teachers had presented. And as a result of this, it had broken their relationship with Paul. You think doctrine's not important, folks? You think doctrine's not important to the unity of the believer within the body of Christ? It's very, very important. So Paul is saying, our relationship is not in any way restricted on our part, but it's restricted on your part. You and your choices are your problem. And so he encourages them to open themselves up as he has done for them. He says in verse 13, now, in a like exchange, we've opened ourselves to you. I speak as to children, open wide to us also. When he says I speak as to children, he doesn't mean they're immature. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, I have a, such a tender love for you. I feel like a father speaking to my very own beloved children. I speak as to children, open wide also for us, lay aside the wrong feelings which has been based on the wrong information. Open yourself up to us. And as we have opened ourselves to you, it's amazing to me how so many relationships are soured by associating with the wrong people which fill you with the wrong information. And it becomes like a cancer in the body of Christ. But it's Christ in us that enables us, just like it enabled Paul, to lay aside the hurt and to put aside the pain and, to, and, to, and, and the narrow-mindedness that, that keeps us from being united with one another. You see, if you're ever going to have a right relationship, somebody has got to drop anchor. The desire has got to be, lay it down. Put it aside. Don't be restrained in the narrow constraint of the flesh, which is based on wrong information almost every single day time. Open up, Paul says. Open up and lay aside that which has been founded on wrong information. So what's a recipe? What's in this recipe for right relationships? Well, it's a desire to be open and to be honest with each other. I, 
I tell you, when you get transparent, I, I'm very transparent. When people are transparent, it makes you vulnerable, doesn't it? And a lot of people aren't willing to do that. But, but God enables us to do that. So where we can get down to where it really matters, and that's when relationships are bonded together. Well, the second thing that's involved in this recipe for right relationships is a discipline, now listen, in avoiding poisonous people, and avoiding them, in, in staying away from them in the Christian walk. It only takes one person full of venom to completely disrupt a relationship. Let me, let me give you an illustration. Make sure that you're entering into this. A mother and a daughter can have a great relationship until one day the daughter befriends someone who, has a bad, who, who becomes a bad influence on her. Suddenly, what was a good relationship between the mother and the daughter is disrupted, you, you see, because there is now friction between them over this newfound, quote, friend. This newfound friend is filling the mind of the daughter with lies and filth. This has changed her way of thinking about her mom. And overnight, there's a broken relationship. You see, the only way this relationship can ever be restored is for the daughter to break ties with her poisonous friend. That's exactly what's going on in Corinth. Until they break their ties with the poison that's coming from the false teachers, they're not going to be able to walk in unity with the best friend they could ever have, which was the Apostle Paul, which was the one through whom they received their salvation. Well, uh, the only way that that relationship could ever be done is if they would break away. And, I, and evidently, that's the hard thing. That's what's restraining them. That's what's keeping them from opening up and being the friend to Paul and loving him as, as he loved them. Well, the Corinthians had made the mistake of listening. I'll tell you what, it's not the false teachers. They're a dime a dozen. It's the fact that believers choose to listen to them. And that's what it caused the problem. The wrong information of their false teaching and their lies about Paul, every bit of it lies. He defends for the last four chapters. He defends who he is again had soured their relationship. But Paul's trying to get across to them, you'll see in the message, first of all, it had soured it with God. That's the most important thing. And the second thing, it had soured it with Paul. So Paul says, don't be bound together with unbelievers. Now, some translations say, don't be unequally yoked. That's really a better translation. I'm using an updated 1995 New American Standard. It means bound together, but most of them are unequally yoked. It's commonly translated that way. The word is the word heterozephgeo. <laughs> Thank you, Wayne. That, that's a tough one, by the way. It comes from hetero, which means of a different kind. And, and then it comes from the word that means yoke. To be yoked to somebody who is not one of you. To be yoked to somebody who's of a different kind. You see, when alos is used, that's a word for another. It means of the same kind. That would be a brother in Christ. Heteros is used to show that this is, uh -uh, this is an unbeliever. And by the way, this is open-ended. In the context, it means not to be bound to a relationship with someone who does not honor Christ in their life. The word unbelievers is the word apistos. It refers to someone who is untrustworthy because they have no faith in Christ. 
Now listen, Paul is not saying don't be around lost people or unbelievers for the purpose of sharing Christ with them. That's not what he's saying. He's saying don't form an alliance with them. Evidently, these Corinthians had bought into it and become disciples of these false teachers. He says don't, don't ever form a, an alliance in a binding way with somebody who doesn't walk by faith to somebody who's an unbeliever. And you say, Wayne, what's an example of that? Oh, my goodness. Marriage is your premier example. Now, he doesn't mention marriage. It's much more open-ended than that. But for an, a believer to marry an unbeliever, he has yoked himself to that which is unequal, to that which is of another kind. So, well, Brother Wayne, you, I, I did that so I could win them to Jesus. Uh, one out of a million that happens. You see, you don't accomplish spiritual ends by emotional means. You don't bind yourself to somebody who's an unbeliever. You say, well, what's another example? Well, I'm glad you asked. Partners in a business. Can you imagine a believer that walks with God partnering and binding himself to a person who does not know Christ and who does not live and walk that way? say, Wayne, that sounds pretty intolerant to me. Listen, listen, I want you to know something, folks. The Scriptures are very intolerant when it comes to the way we think and the way God thinks. God says it, and that's it. Look what he says in verse 14. Do not be bound together with unbelievers. Now, how clear can that be? For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light and darkness? Now, Paul begins to show some examples of how absurd it is to form a binding relationship with an unbeliever. In his first example, he contrasts their lifestyles. He says, for what partnership have righteousness? That's a lifestyle. It's what you do. And lawlessness. The word lawlessness is the word anomia. And it, and it describes the lifestyle of the unbeliever. It's one who has no respect for God's word and lives under no authority but his own. But the believer, you see the contrast is the believer lives righteously, which means that he daily allows Christ to live through him as he surrenders to God's word. And Paul says, form no alliance, form no partnership, form no binding relationship with an unbeliever because he is lawless. He's lawless. In the second example, Paul shows the source that is behind a lawless unbeliever and a righteous believer. Behind the believer who lives light righteously is light. And behind the unbeliever who lives lawlessly is darkness. He says, or what fellowship has light with darkness? Now, you and I know that, that's probably the best definition he gives because he says light and darkness can't exist together. They cannot do it. It's not a struggle. It's just impossible. They exclude each other by their very nature. You walk into a room and turn the light on, and the darkness has to leave. They cannot both exist in that room. So Paul goes on to show that they do not only uh, don't agree in any word, purpose, or thought. You see, there's, no, there's nothing that they have any kind of commonality with each other. He shows us this by identifying the true power behind the light, behind the righteousness. He goes a step further. And behind the darkness and behind the lawlessness, he says in verse 15, or what harmony has Christ with Belial? And this is interesting. The word harmony is the word symphonesis. We get the word symphony from it. It means agreement, harmony, concord. Y'all don't think I'm very cultured, but I am. I, I used to be a, 
uh, usher for the Roanoke, Virginia Philharmonic Orchestra. I'm, I'm not totally redneck. Well, yeah, I really am, but I at least have that classic side to me. And I love, the, I love classical music. I'm the only one in my family that absolutely adores it. And Except I couldn't take the ballerinas because I couldn't take men wearing tutus. But I really, there was a side there. And when, when you see the, the conductor step up there and take the uncertain sounds of different instruments and bring them together into the most beautiful melody you've ever seen, that's the word we're using right here. There's nothing in these two opposites that can ever produce anything that has beautiful music behind it. Nothing. There is nothing, no agreement, harmony, or concord between Christ and Belial. Now, the word Belial is translated, it's a Hebrew word, it's translated in the Septuagint as transgressor, uh, foolish, somebody who's a pest. Uh, it was used by the ancient writers to describe one who had no regard for God nor man and one who was totally wicked, a vile, licentious person. The Jews used the word to identify Satan, who is our arch enemy. And so therefore, Paul does the very same thing. He, he uses the word Belial to describe Satan, who is the author of all sinful living. Christ came to destroy the works of the devil. So there's no possibility of any agreement. See, he started over here by the lifestyle. He moved to the, the light or the darkness, and then he moved to the actual sources behind it, and trying to show that we should never form a binding relationship with that which is unrighteous or lawless. And then next Paul says, or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? You see the contrast he's making here? Quickly Paul shows us the answer. He says, for we are the temple of the living God. Now, we're the temple of God. God lives in us. An idol is something that is worshipped other than our God. Now, God does not tolerate this. There's no way there can be harmony. There's no way there can be a relationship to try to worship God in one side of our mouth and worship an idol with the other. Now, in all of these examples, the bottom line is that when a believer forms alliance with an unbeliever, especially one who teaches false doctrine, he has just entered into a self-destructive covenant. He has chosen to receive their poison, and is now he becomes the cancer. It's in the body of Christ. He's going to divide and divide and divide because the wrong feelings he has towards others is based on the wrong information of the people he's chosen to form an alliance with in his life. Well, but Christ in us enables us as we walk with him to discern those who are poisonous, those who do not walk with God, those who are controlled behind the scenes by, light, by darkness and by Belial himself. And therefore, we can avoid making any binding relationship with an unbeliever, with a person who does not honor God. So if we're going to have right relationships, he's telling us real quickly what we need to do. The recipe that, that, that incorporates all of this includes a desire to be open with one another, not to be restrained by that which we choose not to be honest about, but a discipline to avoid poisonous people. Finally, a determination to honor God in every choice that we make. Now, the whole focus in right relationships is not with man first, but it's with God in order for everything else to work right. Now, who would be so foolish like the Corinthians 
to walk away from the promises of God for a poisonous relationship. Now, if you have to look at it the way God sees it, this is reality. In 2 Corinthians 6.16, God gives us a fourfold promise if we walk with him, if we're controlled by the light and by his spirit within our life. He says he'll dwell with us, he'll walk with us, he will be our God, and he will make us his people. Now, this is a, a hodgepodge of different verses in the Old Testament. None of them are actually verb, uh, uh, actually uh, every word. But Paul is trying to bring something up of a covenant that he wants us to be in with him. Not to form an alliance with an unbeliever, but to walk in a covenant with him. He says in verse 16, just as God said, now watch what he said, I will dwell in them, this is spoken in the Old Testament, and I'll walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And I love that first phrase, just as God said. Moses didn't say it. Paul didn't say it. God said it. So in the old covenant, God walked with his people. Uh, but in the new covenant, he lives in his people. But as he promises, he's always going to be with us if we will walk in that binding relationship with him rather than form a binding relationship with the poisonous venom of people who teach false doctrine and do not walk by faith. Now, any promise that God has in Scripture is conditional. This is something you need to understand. Uh, in verse 17, it says, therefore. Anytime you see a therefore, always look to see what it's there for. Therefore, he made a statement. Come out from, the, from their midst and be separate, says the Lord. And do not touch what is unclean. And then here's the promise. And I'll welcome you. I'll welcome you. You want to walk with me? I want to walk with you. But you are going to have to make a choice. Either form that alliance with them or walk in that covenant with me. God's promises are conditional in this fact that they, they depend upon our willingness to obey him. In obeying him, we separate ourselves from that which he says is unclean. <coughs> I'm so sorry. It's just terrible when your mic is right there. When you, say no, when you say yes to him, you have automatically said no to the flesh and the idols that they wish to obey. Pagan idolatry in Corinth, if you understand the, to the background of this, it is so helpful, was rampant. And if these believers didn't come out of it, I mean, you can go back and study 1 Corinthians, eating meat, sacrificed to idols, and going to the temple over there in, of Apollo over there in Corinth. All of this was in their background. And the false teachers were, were everywhere. They, they were those who said you can speak in an unknown language, and people thought this was the most spiritual thing that ever went on and took Paul a whole chapter to deal with that. They thought that all kinds of things. They were saying Jesus was a man, that he was a curse. He was under the curse. All of these things were being said in Corinth. And some of these people, as believers, had made the foolish choice to listen to them. And as a result, that, that broke the relationship with Paul. And he said, buddy, you're going to have to make a choice. Get out of that stuff. Avoid it. Run from it. And start walking in a covenant with God. You want a binding relationship? Make sure that binding relationship is with God. God's a jealous God, and he will not tolerate any other gods in our lives. So if we live separate unto him, he says, in verse 18, then here's what God says. I will be a father to you. Talk about relationships. And you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord God Almighty.
Now, I'll tell you what, that's, that's your option. That was the option for the children of Corinth, the people of Corinth, the believers in Corinth. If you want to buy what they're saying, if you want to live that way, that licentious way of living, and if you want to listen to all the garbage they're saying about me, you can help yourself. But I'm telling you, if you want to walk and let God be a father to you, and by the way, sons and daughters doesn't mean you'll get saved. It means that you can walk in the full adult privileges that God gives us through Christ Jesus. That's what he's talking about. As women and men that can walk in the fullness of what God offers, you have that choice. Or you can go back to the poisonous venom of people that are tearing down rather than building up. Make up your mind is what Paul is saying. The very reason you won't open up to me, he says, and the very reason you can't have a relationship with me is because you have bought into that lie and you don't seem to understand what you've done. You have forfeited your privilege of walking with God as your father and of being a brother and a sister to those in the body of Christ. You have ruined your relationships by the fact you chose a different covenant instead of walking in the covenant with him. Well, when we choose to form binding relationships with the unbelieving of this world, and many have, many have, worshiping the very thing that God hates, we have forfeited the privilege of walking in his promises. We're not going to touch them. They will not be a part of our life. And most importantly, we've soured our walk with God and with one another. Let me just ask you a question. I'll be, I'll be the first one to raise my hand. Over the years of your being a Christian, how many of you have made that stupid choice like I have? Anybody besides me? And isn't it rotten? Isn't it awesome that he gives them a second chance? Isn't it awesome that God is a God of grace? He was saying this to a church that had bought it hook, line, and sinker, and he says, you still have a choice. Come out of it. Come out of it. And walk in that covenant relationship with God. Be a, be a worker together with him. Be an ambassador for Christ. Be, be one who understands what it means to have him as your father who loves you and cares for you and is always there. See, relationships are important. A lot of times people don't look at the relationships down here. They're trying to look at the relationship this way, but they don't realize what they're doing down here is affecting their walk with God. The people we choose to listen to. And you see, when you're not walking with God, you don't even have the discernment to realize that what you're hearing is poison. And if we choose to associate with them, it immediately drags us down and our walk with God is no longer the same. Relationships are so important to our walking and working together with God. So what is the recipe for right relationships? Well, it involves a desire to be open and honest with one another. It involves a discipline to avoid poisonous people. And it involves a determination to honor God in every choice that we make. Let me put it to you this way. What idols are in your life tonight that have taken the place of Christ being your Lord? What is it you worship? What is it you worship? What is the poison that maybe you have received from somebody you should have avoided and it's killing you right now in your walk with God? How has that a poison affected your relationship with your brother in Christ? That's where it all lies right there. You say, Wayne, I, I can't fellowship with that gal over there. Well, now why? 
Can't you fellowship with that guy? When your birthright is to be one with him if he's a believer in Christ. So where's the problem here? What have you bought into? What have you listened to? What is it that restrains you? Where are your affections that you're not willing to deal with so that then it'll open you up not only to God but to one another? That's what he's saying to the Corinthians. He wants a relationship with them. He wants it to be healed. But they got some choices to make before that can happen. You say, Wayne, is there a balance to all this when it comes to associating with believers? I want to make sure I say this because somebody's going to walk out of here and misunderstand. Vance Havner. Oh, I love Vance Havner. That twang in his voice. I can just about hear him talking right now. Well, brother, he's in heaven, by the way. He lived to be 100 and something years old. Vance Havner said, we're not to be isolated, but we're to be insulated. Big difference. He says, moving in the midst of evil, but untouched by it. Separation is contact with contamination. Jesus was holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, yet he was a friend of tax collectors and sinners. So remember that balance. What Paul is saying, don't form a binding relationship with them. Don't enter into a covenant with them. If you do, you have ignored your covenant with God and the two cannot peacefully coexist. So what's the recipe again for right relationships? A desire to be open-minded, open and honest with one another. A discipline to avoid poisonous people, which is killing us even today in the 21st century. And a determination to honor God in every choice that we make. In short, walk in covenant with Him. For additional resources, log on to jashow.org. That's jashow.org.